Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you've been hurt in a car accident or slip and fall, then call the Law Office of Seltzer Mayberg at 855-5000-LAW or go to onecalllegal.com. Mention 5 Reasons Sports to get a free consultation. With 24-7 availability, they'll make sure you work directly with an attorney to get you the compensation that you deserve. Once again, 855-5000-LAW. That's Seltzer Mayberg. Let me introduce you to another sponsor, bestever.com. That is B-S-T-E-V-R.com. Bestever.com is a fantasy sports simulator that uses real-life data to simulate hypothetical situations. For example, ever wondered if Dan Marino could win a Super Bowl with a top 10 running game? We all have. You can do that with bestever.com. Let's say the Dolphins are in the running for a big free agent. Just add them to the current team and simulate games to see how it can turn out. Just open a free account and start building your own story and have bestever.com spit out game stories just for you. Bestever is not only fun to use, but has many uses beyond just curiosity. Go to bestever.com. That's B-S-T-E-V-R.com. This show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections, and if you're correct, you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F-I-V-E, 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. Welcome to 3 Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. It's me, the English one, fronting it this week. We decided to fuck Alf off because we've been really bored of him presenting. So you've got me this week. Might be Chris next week and Alf will be back the week after because really we love him. And he is the uh, he's the undoubted king. But Chris and Alf have been on air for about 10 hours doing a free agency thing, which uh, I couldn't do because, quite frankly, I couldn't be bothered. No, that's not true. Either. I was having dinner. Uh, anyway, it's uh, an earlier edition of Three Hours Per Carry this week because these two idiots forgot to tell me that you've changed the daylight saving times. Anyway, an awful lot going on in Miami Dolphins land, as it were. Free agency started today. Really, it started two days ago. and Probably it started about two weeks ago when teams started to work out who was going where and where was going who. The Dolphins have made a number of signings we all know about. So let's kick off with Michael Palladi, the new punter. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Did you, did you mean to do that? Of course off. I did. Okay. Of course I did. Of course I did. It, not, mate, nothing comes you're for pro- free here. Nothing you're a professional. 
You're I'm a professional. a professional, man. We're professionals. You're a professional. Alf's a professional. We all know what we're doing. Listen, how do you think the first 48 hours of free agency has gone for the Miami Dolphins? Obviously, the Patriots have come out and, and signed everybody. I, I do think it's quite funny that um, for as long as I can remember, everybody that wins free agency um, <laughs> has been has been absolutely ruined by the media. And now all of a sudden, Bill Belichick's a genius because he's done exactly what every other team has been doing on the first few days of free agency. Oh, boy. Since, since time began. But, I mean, aside from the Patriots, how do you feel like the Dolphins' first forays into this year's free agency have gone? Because there's a number of interesting players that have come in. Yeah, well, I'll, st- I'll start it off. I thought it was really interesting, and I'll take it from there from what we're talking about New England. I woke up this morning, and I had, a, I had my coffee, and I had a bagel, and I walked past the TV, and here are four analysts just, you know, slathering themselves in all things New England and how they've closed the gap on the Buffalo Bills. And I just walked, walked, I just walked away and I said, okay, they're doing this thing again, but how has it gone for the dolphins? It's been uneventful. Like there's no big splash, but these, some of these guys are really, really good players. Um, Anything that, you know, I I didn't find anything strange. Like there's no clear cut bad players here. Like Coleman, I don't know if it makes sense because I don't know if he's a better player than Nick Needham, but Nick Needham is on notice, I would say. Adam Butler's a really, really nice player. Helps the defensive line. Of course, they started it all off with a trade, so I was pretty happy about that one because I like Bernard McKinney. He's a hell of a player. But um, I guess if I, if you want me to complain about something, I don't understand what this – it seems like they had a, a list of guys that were flashy two years ago that run really, really, really fast. And we're just going to place calls to all of them. And whoever takes our money is coming aboard. So I guess if you want me to complain about something, Robert Foster, I don't get it. But everything else, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, we're going to dig down into the receivers in the second show this week. Chris, just a sort of overall view of the opening 48 hours. How have you seen it go for the Dolphins? I see it on hold. You know, they obviously did a lot of roster maintenance moves and that's all that's been going. I feel like I can't keep feeling like, and I said it on Twitter, I said it on, um, you know, some of the five reasons stuff, you know, I feel like they're trimming around the edges, right? They're trimming around the edges uh, in free agency here, but we're still not really getting a clear picture of what they plan to do, not just to improve the team. And, and obviously the draft is going to be a huge part of that. So we know that, but, um, but also, I mean, they they ditched Kyle Van Noy and they ditched Shaq Lawson in the in the Bernardrick McKinney trade, and we know that Bernardrick McKinney replaces Landon Roberts mm-hmm. outright, right? Um, and, and and there's so there's that aspect of it, but you know, there's still some pretty big holes there. There's still you know a lot to be done at the wide receiver position, which we'll talk about um, in another show, and. And, and it feels like I said on Twitter, I said that it feels like they're doing, they're painting a portrait and they're starting at the edges and haven't gotten to the face yet. I mean, it, it's, it's, it really just feels like that um, a little bit on hold. And I, I recognize people are like, Oh, you say they're doing nothing, but they'd sign all these guys. And it was like, yeah, a punter and a backup quarterback and a backup running back and a, and a, um, you know, and, and a Seaton Carter, whatever, the, whatever he is. And, uh, and then Robert Foster, who, you know, for all we know, might not make the roster, and huh? Um, and uh, and then You're we a poet, got Chris. I know, I didn't know it. Um, and so we have, we have all these like little tiny moves, and the punter. You know, I'm not even going to get into. Um, 
you know, it's just, it just feels like we're not, we're not really, and I, I, I didn't want them to make a splash and that's not what I'm saying. It's just like, uh, there's, there's still holes here, you know, big holes, um, center, you know, who's going to play center. Who's going to play, who's going to be on the, uh, on the edge, a, a defensive end for Shaq Lawson or, um, you know, edge rusher for Kyle Van Noy. I mean, we don't, we don't know the answers. Who's going to, who's going to improve their wide receiver um, unit. We don't know any of the answers to this yet. And I feel like that's kind of on purpose. Like, I feel like there's something, I don't know. It, it feels, Sorry, it feels brewing. conspicuous. It feels like, yeah, it, it feels conspicuous is what it feels like. There's a number of interesting conspiracy conspiracy theories kicking around, aren't there? Especially with, you know, are the Dolphins low-keying everything because they're waiting to sign Deshaun Watson? Is the, you know, the, the, there's an awful lot of, and it's understandable, you've got, really you've got one and a half sort of all-pro superstar quarterbacks who could potentially be dealt. I mean, it would be unprecedented, but to see Watson and Wilson traded so there are lots of questions lots of, and, and we just don't know what's happening with Nick Casario and Houston and, and Deshaun Watson we you know John McClain came out today and said you know it was his belief that that Watson would be traded and, and nobody's more plugged in in the NFL than John McClain is in Houston mm-hmm. so there are all these things kind of kicking about and like we said we still haven't really signed a receiver the Robert Foster thing we'll get to in a second we'll talk talk about that later in the week I just want to quickly rattle through the guys that we have signed because lots of people are sort of saying and you know what happens on the first day of free agency or the first hour when the Dolphins don't sign anybody, everybody comes, well, what's happening? Tell me how to think. Tell me how to think. How should I be feeling? <laughs> so for, for the people that don't know, you know, who the Seaton Carters are and who the Robert Fosters are, let's just have a quick canter around the course. Um, and the Dolphins kind of kicked it off with the aforementioned Seaton Carter, uh, six foot three and a quarter, 241 pounds, sort of fullback slash H-back slash tight end slash special teams maven. And really that last one is the interesting one, isn't it, Alf? Because special teams is something that Brian Flores has really, really focused on, whether that was Camu Gruja Hill, um, whether that was the the Bengals guy that we got last year, who, you know, who's the backup safety, his name completely escapes me, but uh, Clayton Fajedalem, you know, special teams has been really important. We have a very, very good special teams unit and, and it feels like Stephen Carter is going to help that, aid that uh, and come in and, uh, and really bolster that unit. Yeah, it's interesting. He's a really interesting uh, signing out of all of them because... Uh, uh, you know, Chris was making fun of me on that other show that we were doing today because I said that I was watching a bunch of special team snaps. To be fair, home. I was making fun of you for a lot of things on that show. It's very easy. <laughs> but I was watching a bunch of special team snaps because I was trying to figure out maybe this is their, their new special teams ace. And I found out, okay, he's not very good at special teams. See, the Carter is. And the interesting thing about his NFL career is that coming out of Nebraska, he's a guy that figured, hey, you know, this is a guy that can catch the ball a little bit. He can get downfield. He has some speed. He ran sub 4.7. He was undrafted, but four seven, sub 4.7 at 250 pounds as an inline tight end, that's not, that's not terrible. And every time he catches the ball in the NFL, he really looks like he knows what he's doing with it. The problem is nobody ever throws him the ball. Now, one thing I did notice, he's much better, a much better blocker in line than he is in space. So I don't know if that says anything about the current group, but he's a guy that fits and he's a roster player, I believe. I believe absolutely he's a roster player because he could kick down to play fullback and he could play in line. Now, I don't think in, in space is something that you want to see him do because I personally, I saw, I saw maybe. I'm not going to sit, sit here and say I saw 300 snaps, but I saw 40, 50 snaps. 
and I never saw him sit. I never saw him hit anybody in space. It was mostly double teaming people and walling people off in line. So I think that that's a consideration. You know, Chris, what I a number of questions. Yeah, I was going to well, say a couple just, of questions. Come, go on. I was just going to say about the season thing and uh, the tight end position and the fact that uh, he's a good inline blocker. Um, it's striking to me because because uh, I heard that uh, that Durham Smythe, um, you know, well, let's just say let's just say it's very common for um, for around this time of year for faxes to be going back and forth between all these teams giving information about <laughs> players, and um, and I think Durham Smythe is one of those players, and uh, and I think that he could get, you know, he could find Very himself did. on the block to yeah. uh, to San Francisco or something like that. That was going to be my point, really. It was about, you know, all of a sudden you've got Shaheen, you've got Gasicki, you've got Smythe. Mm-hmm. Now you've got Cephas coming in. Obviously, Carl Pitts sort of is the, the sort of Damocles that hangs over the tight end room if you're a bottom of the roster guy. Um, and the Dolphins have the third pick. It will be interesting to see where this shakes down. Sticking with special teams, I know we don't really talk about kickers and punters, but <clears throat> a quick word on Michael Pallardi, because Matt Hawke was a was a pretty decent citizen, pretty decent servant for the Dolphins across his four seasons. Just looking at the stats, and I hadn't realised that Palladi came into the, I knew he came into the league sort of five or six years ago, but he played at the Raiders, the Rams, the Toronto Argonauts, the Panthers, the Ravens, the Colts, the Browns, the Falcons, and then back to the Panthers for four seasons. But actually his career punting average is 45.3. Matt Hawks is 44.7. So actually Palladi is coming off a, a torn ACL or a torn Achilles. Um, a better... Um, punting average yards per punt average than the Matt Hawke who we've always sort of held in pretty high regard on this on this show haven't we we have held him in high regard uh, Matt Hawke and and it was a little bit surprising that you know I think part of it is just we don't want to do the work to figure out who who would replace <laughs> who in the special teams unit um I know I don't, <laughs> so so I never even really think about it, and uh, and I just think you know the easiest thing. Yeah, sure, Matt Hawks, a free agent. Yeah, you just get him back, you know. But I, I they obviously are not thinking that way. Um, there are guys that are paid quite a bit on the Dolphins to uh, to really evaluate all the um, the punters, and they just think that he's a he's a good left footer, um, and that's what he is. He's a left footer. Um, so you know that could be interesting. It's also Sexy interesting Matt Hawk, Matt Hawks, who, um, what's the opposite of finest moment? I guess it's, it's their, their lowest point in, in his career was two games in Buffalo and yeah. Buffalo has now signed Matt Hawk. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah good luck punting in that weather. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we'll see how that works out. What happened to the Bills? What, what's happened to the Bills punter actually? Cause he was phenomenal. Yeah, that, um, I, I'm wondering what happened there as well. But I will find this out as we go through the podcast and come back. But I wanted just to talk. Actually, you know, this isn't a free agent signing, but the kind of the the, the diamond in our rough, as it were, would be the trade for Bernadrick McKinney, who I know we all like. We all like coming out of Mississippi State. He was the 43rd overall pick. You know, he's big. He's physical. He's six foot four. He's 246 pounds. Where he was at the combine. They ran a four six six. He's outstanding in coverage. He's just been a really good player. Um, pro bowler in 2018. Obviously, he had a shoulder injury last season, early October, I think, the sort of the week two of second week of October, but traded for a, um, for Shaq Lawson uh, and a sixth rounder. We got a seventh rounder and McKinney back. If he's healthy, um, he's a hell of a player, isn't he? Absolutely. And I did, a, I did a yard work on him. And it was also interesting last year that 
the game he left, he finished, which was against Minnesota. And I guess he just looked at the record. He saw 0-4, and he said, you know what? I have an issue in my shoulder. This is something I have to take care of. I'm going to take care of it now. And he did. But his play hasn't really wavered at all. It didn't waver at all last year either. He's he's a two-down player nowadays. Let's be real about this. I think you don't want to you don't want him out there in pass, you know, pass coverage too often. But he had his moments then too. There's a play where the Ravens tried to isolate Mark Andrews and God God bless whoever was calling defensive plays and alignments for the Houston Texans because they sure as hell got Mark Andrews one-on-one with Bernardrick McKinney and Lamar Jackson threw a, a nine route his way and Bernardrick McKinney defended it. He has his moments in pass coverage, but you don't want him there all the time. Against the run, he is absolutely stellar and he diagnoses plays before they even happen. He starts moving as soon as he sees the actions. He's going to be a huge upgrade inside over Landon Roberts. Chris, where do you think he fits in this scheme? Because, again, people are like, well, tell me what to think. Where's he going to play? What's he going to do? How does this affect yeah. Jerome Baker? Is he going to – because he's not Carl Van Noy. He's a different player. So how, no, how is the system How is the system going to change? How are they going to fit him in? How will it work? What will fans who don't follow the game quite as intently, you know, who just enjoy the game for what it is, how, what are they going to be seeing on a Sunday? Well, you know, first off, you have to keep in mind that even even having missed, um, you know, probably three games or something like that, Alandon Roberts still notched 400 snaps last year. Mm-hmm. So the, everybody who thinks that this is, you know, their, their linebacker positions are just basically Kyle Van Noy and Jerome Baker, that's not really true. There's a lot of snaps there for uh, a Mike and, you know, for especially a, a hammer like um, like a Landon Roberts was. And like Bernardrick McKinney will be, that's, that's his role. That's what he's going to be. He's going to fill in for a Landon Roberts as a middle linebacker and be sort of a attacking the line of scrimmage hammer um, into the pile. Uh, and, and I think, you know, Alfie mentioned that he's, um, he's a, he's a two down guy at this point in his career. Yeah. I don't know that he, he's a two down, down guy in Miami. Um, I think that, uh, yes, he's going to start off with the Landon Roberts position, but a Landon Roberts obviously was not in, in some personnel packages, they throw in a, they throw in a nickel personnel package, you know, Landon Mar- Roberts would be out of it, um, or out of most of them anyway. They, and they, the dolphins do have actually a wide array of personnel packages. It's not just uh, nickel is nickel and, you know, and base is base. It's, um, so they have a lot of different personnel packages, and I think that he can earn Bernardrick McKinney does have the opportunity to earn some other jobs and some other packages that perhaps were manned by Kyle Van Noy. And, um, and so I think that, uh, you know, you got to keep in mind that he's as a lengthy guy, he's six foot four and he's 257 pounds. And, you know, he had a 40 and a half inch vertical when he came out. Um, he's a pretty, you know, pretty explosive guy. Uh, you might you might have him in pass rush you might have him uh coming off the edge or um you know he's he's notched quite a few uh pressures in in his career he's got 13 sacks in his career um i think that uh you know i think that he he could he could take some of the jobs that kyle van noy took uh he is not kyle van noy's explicit explicit uh replacement 
Um, he is more Landon Roberts' explicit replacement, but I do think that he could earn some other jobs. And particularly when he's there on third down, you know, it might be as a blitzer, as a pass rusher. Mm. Corey Bajorquez is the Bills punter who um, had that outstanding game last season. But actually, no, just how, to can say we, how can we forget about him? Well, we say that he averaged 50 and a half yards per punt last season, God. which um, is, I think, the third highest single season punting average in NFL history. Just chucking that out there. Every day is a school day here on three yards per carry. Let's rattle through it's, the other four it's also It's also the number of people, NFL fans, that know how to pronounce his name. Yeah, I was about to um, – there's a little uh, – he actually does a little video on how you can about you can find it. It's on YouTube if you're that bothered. But he's a great coffin corner punter. And actually, I was quite surprised the Dolphins weren't interested in him, actually. But we shall see how Monsieur Pallade uh, bounces back from his injury. Four other guys. Let's quickly rattle through them before we get to our second show of the week, uh, where because people want to know how to feel about wide receivers. So we'll also tell you how you should be feeling. Um, we'll also talk a little bit about the guys that have left and whether or not there's any impact with the Ted Karras's that are gone and Cam Grugier-Hill and, and Davon Godchow. And speaking of Godchow, Adam Butler, another guy that we all really like, uh, a really under-the-radar meat and potatoes defensive tackle who can soak up the run. He's tough and he impacts the pocket. I mean, you know, part, uh, defensive tackles who can get sacks and, and, and impact the, the passing game are are very valuable in the modern NFL. Where do, we, where do we stand on Adam Butler, who also played hurt last season through a through a pretty nasty shoulder injury? He's a, he's a good player, isn't he, Alf? Yeah, yeah, I, I like him a lot. And Greg Bedard, who covers the New England Patriots, uh, reached out to the three yards per carry account to let us know that he was a really good sub-pass rusher last year for the New England Patriots. And I guess he's going to fit in that rotation. He's going to get snaps. Now you wonder, you know, maybe does this portend that maybe one of them are gone? I don't know. I don't I don't think so. I think that they're just going to go in a different direction. And you can see some of these guys playing a little bit wider. Uh, Wilkins last year did see, did play head up on the tackle a couple of times. It was something that they like to do from time to time. So maybe that's something that could happen. I think this is more true to the scheme, more true to the, to the system. He's 6'5", 300 pounds. He's lean, but he's powerful. So I think this is more in line with what they want for the position. I think he's going to get plenty of snaps. And I think they're they're going to go for the two-by-one. Uh, the two by, They're going to use the two-by-one theory. They're going to try to replace Shaq Lawson in the aggregate. So Shaq Lawson snaps from last year. I think Adam Butler just took half of them. And they're probably looking for a guy that could win one-on-one from time to time, rushing wide, to take the rest mm. of those snaps. Chris, I've got a couple of questions in <clears throat> about Christian Wilkins. We had one question. I had one question come in on Twitter, uh, which I immediately um, poo-pooed and actually thought about it. And um, maybe there is something there. But also you raised a very uh, valid point in the WhatsApp chat. So the first point is whether or not Christian Wilkins could move out and take some of Shaq Lawson's snaps. Um, and the second question to that is whether or not Christian Wilkins is, or the signing of Adam Butler might precipitate the, the uh, Christian Wilkins as part of a Deshaun Watson trade. Where do we stand on both of those points? Well, I'll take the second one first. Yeah, I think that uh, it is conspicuous. And this is something that I've spoken about with um, Barry Jackson, who, um, you know, he's, he's written about it and, and, and talked about the, the defensive tackles on the team, if you look at how often they were used and 
in the sub packages and everything. I mean, it was it was less than a two man position in um, in the for the Dolphins in 2020. And so you look at particularly after Godshaw got hurt, it was Zach Sealer, Christian Wilkins, and um, and Raekwon Davis, and nothing else. I mean, Benito Jones got like 47 snaps, right? I mean, so and and this was the fourth, right? So uh, the Dolphins just somehow convinced Adam Butler to come in as a young player who is still, you know, trying to prove himself in this league to come in and take a man's place who had 47 snaps last year. And don't say he's taking Godshaw's place because Godshaw went and got hurt, right? He got hurt at one point and and then he was just off and and it became it was the rotation of for 10 games or whatever of Christian Wilkins and Raquan Davis and um, and Zach Sealer and they were doing fine with that actually they, it was, it was, they, they were a better defensive line after that injury um, because of that so these are all very good players uh, particularly Wilkins and Davis are they're gonna have high hopes for obviously uh, Zach Sealer was far outplayed his um, his pedigree and uh, and I just wonder about that. You're, you, he is taking as the fourth man in that rotation. That is Benito Jones's job, and he only got 47 oh, yeah. snaps. So how did they convince Adam Butler to do this? That's where I bring up, you know, well, maybe one of them's on the way out. Maybe, and, and it doesn't have to be Christian Wilkins. What if it's Zach Sealer? They got him to a very af- affordable contract. Maybe, maybe us on the podcast aren't the only ones that have noticed he's playing really well, you know, mm-hmm. so – so I think that um, I would keep an eye on that. I, th- I think so. Now, could somebody else go out there and take Shaq Lawson's snaps? You would think that Christian Wilkins, given his experience in college, could possibly do that. He hasn't really done that with Miami much. Um, you know, he's played a little bit of left end, a little bit of right end, but probably like 70 snaps. Um, I don't know if, if Butler is going to do it. He's, that's not his history um he's not really you know that he's not really that kind of guy interestingly um you know i, I think that zach seal you could you can make an argument that uh that zach sealer is a little bit closer to doing that he's got much more experience even even you know as a right end or a left end and a four-man defensive line so it could actually be sealer that is getting the bump out to um to take shaq lawson's place and maybe they're looking at this as a way to uh, beef up the run defense. And, and I know some of us are driven crazy by the run defense at times. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that's, so that, that could be what you look for if it's not like a trade situation where they're like, you know, we convinced them to come here because we're really probably got one of these guys on the, on the trading block. Um, then I would guess that it's because Zach Sealer's going to do more work at end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's rattle through these final four guys then, and let's start with uh, Jacoby Brissett, uh, a quarterback who Brian Flores knows very well, obviously, because he was with him at New England, went to Indianapolis as the sort of the guy who was going to take over Andrew Luck. Good luck with that. And sort of played okay, but sort of flattered to deceive a little bit. But he's a Miami guy. He's apparently a great kid. You know, he's going to come in and he's going to be young and he's going to add some some you know as much as everybody loves fits uh, and they did both on and off the field 
I think Brissette is maybe a steadier ship than Fitz. You kind of, you know, you might not get the some of the A-plus moments that you got with uh, him in, in a couple of games, especially that win against the Raiders. But you also might not get the uh, the E-minuses. He kind of, he might be a sort of a, a C-plus to, to B-minus kind of guy rather than somebody who fluctuates. Alf, would you agree or you disagree on Jacoby Brissett? Yeah, I absolutely agree. And there's another, that's another New England connection right there, right? Like that's a guy they felt comfortable with. Two thoughts came in my mind when when they signed him. Uh, first, Dolphins might have the best backup quarterback in the NFL. The second thought was, since he's so good, I hope that Brian Flores is not thinking about doing that reliever stuff that he was doing last year with Fitz and Tua Tungavailoa. So I was thinking to myself, okay, this could be a this is a blessing because it's, you always want to have the better player. You don't want to put a lesser player just to baby the second year quarterback. But it did come to mind, like, you know, maybe it's in Brian Flores' character if things are not working out in week seven, let's say. With Tua Tungabailoa at halftime, maybe you see a Jacoby Brissett in the second half to change the, as a change of pace. So I don't think we're out of the woods there yet as far as Brian Flores going to his reliever, like he likes to call mm-hmm. it. Chris? Let's be fair, Simon. You brought up Jacoby Brissett's name quite a bit I think on one of our podcasts for the Mm. backup um quarterback position now I I I I don't like to boast about it Chris I don't like to boast (laughs) well I'll do I'll do it for you um but uh you're welcome um but I didn't think it would happen because I thought it'd be too expensive (laughs) and I honestly like the thing that surprised me about this is you know when you saw the money come in when you saw the number come in it was so low um it was really you know, it's really affordable for a backup. And, and I think this is where you see the, the rubber meet the road on the, what the players are experiencing this year with the budget cut. Um, you know, this is, this is it. He's got a one-year deal that is clearly a backup steal. No, there is no promise of anything more than being a backup in this contract. And, um, and so I think that, uh, it was, it was much more affordable than I imagine. I imagine they were going to get Brian Hoyer at like close to this price, maybe a little bit under it, but you know, I thought that they're, and, and instead they were able to get Jacoby Brissett. And so that's, um, that's a kudos to them. That's really good. I think, I think two things about it. He's going to play, he's going to play. Uh, he, he regular came in in the field and short yardage situations for the Colts. Um, you know, as a sort of a wildcat runner type, um, and he converted first downs, he converted touchdowns. Um, so I think the Miami is probably thinking about the same thing. I think that if you look at the new England experience and the kind of offense that they actually ran with him at the helm, then you sort of think about what they've been trying to install with Tua in Miami with the, you know, sort of the RPO based offense. Um, there's a, there's definitely a, a fit there um and it won't look like Tua because Tua is less of a runner obviously but um but I think that there's there's a little bit of a of a fit for for Jacoby Brissett and what they're doing so um I think those are two of the things that they were also thinking about when they when they signed this particular guy Mm. we've got nine minutes left on the zoom call we've got three players to get through so i'm going to give you one name each uh and then we'll, you can talk about the final guy both together before i sign off in the style of jake tapper so uh, chris tell the audience what they need to know about justin coleman and whilst uh you're doing that alf uh you can do a little practice on malcolm brown a guy that we all really like but justin coleman chris four years 36 million two years ago the lions signed him 
from the Patriots, obviously played three years uh, with Brian Flores in New England. What do the audience need to know and why should they like or dislike Justin Coleman? And what does it mean for Nick Needham, who's had a pretty solid two seasons with the Dolphins? Well, it's pressure on Nick Needham. And what you need to know about Justin Coleman is that he came into New England and, then um, you know, he was a corner, a good nickel corner back in college. I liked him a lot coming out of that draft. Uh, and then he came into New England and became, you know, a good nickel corner. He played for Seattle. He played for Detroit. Um, and his history is as a slot. And that's what where he's it's going to put pressure on Nick Needham. And I uh, he is a favorite of Josh Boyer's is what I'm told anyway. And, um, and so, yeah, he comes in and this is immediate pressure on Nick, Nick Needham. It shows that nobody can ever get comfortable. I mean, hell, you know, Zach Sealer for as good as he get and as he is just got Adam Butler breathing down his neck. So, um, so Nick Needham as good as he's been as a, you know, undrafted free agent now has a Justin Coleman breathing down his neck. And, um, and that's, how, that's how you look at it. He's not going to, he's not going to play safety. That's not, I, I very much doubt that he's not going to, you know, play, well, he'll play some outside corner, but um, Nick Needham is probably a little bit more diverse that way, being able to play outside. Um, but they have no Igbenogany for that anyway. So I think, yeah, it just puts pressure on Nick Needham. Alf, Malcolm Brown, running back. Yeah, Malcolm tackle. Brown is a guy, Malcolm Brown is a guy that I really liked. Uh, if you remember last year when we did our preview of the Rams Dolphins game, I said, I really liked that running backs group that they have there in Los Angeles. And at the time, Cam Akers was hurt. So they drafted Cam Akers. They wanted to give him the job. And Malcolm Brown was essentially just a goal line back in L.A. But then he got injured. And then he started getting a share of the load. Ran for 400 yards, over 400 yards, 419 yards, 4.1 yards a carry. And he had five touchdowns. Now, when Cam Akers came back and really took a hold of that position, they had a choice. It could have been Malcolm Brown. It could have been C.J. Henderson. They went with Malcolm Brown, and I showed in one of the yard work series that I do on the Five Reasons Sports Network's uh, YouTube page, Malcolm Brown was the catalyst on an entire drive to ice the wild card game against the Seahawks. Late in the game, they scored a touchdown to put it away. Malcolm Brown carried the ball three times and caught it once on that drive as he was the back that they went to to ice it late in the game. There was no C.J. Anderson. They trusted two guys. They trusted Cam Akers, who they have a lot invested in, and Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown's a guy who traditionally just runs mostly, at least that's what I've seen on film. He's just an inside and outside zone guy, but he runs with power. He's decisive, one cut, physical, runs angry. He's a guy who's going to be fun to watch, and I think you you could do a hell of a lot worse at RB2 than Malcolm Brown because I think the Rams, the Rams had it right. They had a really good running back room last year. I guess they're just going to you know, give a bigger load to Cam Akers and their loss is our gain, I think. He is a good player. He's a good running back. And, I, you know, my role tonight is not to uh, is not to elucidate a great deal, but I think the Dolphins have made some really smart signings. Give us a quick pricey on what we could expect from Robert Foster, who obviously played for one season with a certain Tua Tungavailoa at the University of Alabama. Well, Robert Foster. Any of you. Uh, Alf, Robert, Alf, go ahead. <laughs> okay. I, I got something on Robert Foster two years ago. Do you remember what he looked like two years ago? He looked like mm, a world beater. Really right? good. Yeah, but I don't understand why. And I don't know. I guess we got to do a little bit more digging. And I guess on future podcasts before training camp, I guess we'll have some information on this. But I don't know what happened to him in Buffalo. He was really, really good as a, as a rookie. 
And then Buffalo decided, you know what? Let's go get Cole Beasley. Let's go get John Brown. And let's go bury this guy on the bench. And that's exactly what happened. So, Do you think he makes the team, Chris? Oh, that's a tough one, actually, because there there's going to be some competition at the bottom end of that uh, wide receiver unit. I mean, we we do right now, we're scheduled to have Albert Wilson come back. And, you know, right now, Jakeem Grant is still there. And right now, Alan Hearns is still is, is scheduled to come back. And so this is this is going to be a very competitive bottom of the uh, the wide receiver unit. Um, does he make the team? What what I say is he was a he was a high recruit. Like I know some people that are still like, you know, man, coming out of high school, I thought he was you know, he's going to be great. Um, and that's what you hear about. And then he, you know, in, in the NFL, he, um, he basically has kind of mostly fizzled out. I mean, he had that, he had that year and he had, he has some big fans, like some, some people that I know that are like, just were all about him. And uh, he's a big play guy, 20 yards, a 20 yards a catch. He's a four, four mm-hmm. speedster. He's always been known as the, you know, the speedster, the deep guy. So as Alf said, I think you might've said earlier, you know, as, um, as a something that he didn't quite understand, you know, the dolphins might've been in on John Ross as per, you know, one report that was out there. Mm. And apparently they could not get him. So they got Robert Foster instead. I'm worried. I'm, I'm wondering if they were in all, also on Demir bird, but perhaps he, um, after the season he had in new England, he wanted a little bit more money. Um, so who knows? Yeah. Yeah, he's not a big name, but he's a solid sort of low-risk signing with some upside, with some potential, with some of the traits that we like. And we will get in to the crowded wide receiver position, the position that the bottom has fallen out of the wide receivers world on next or on the next episode of Three Yards Per I was going to say next week, but it's later in the week. <laughs> so as Alf says normally, uh, that is all for now. What do you normally say, Alf? I said, yeah, that's little, all there is. There is that's no all there more. Is. There is that's no what, more. That's, that's what the great Jim Mandich used to say after every single show. I do it as a tribute nice. to him. I see. I see. See, like I said, every day is a school day. There is no more. We shall see you later in the week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The new year is the perfect time to start building credit scores. Because when your credit scores increase, your opportunities do too. Like loan approvals and lower interest rates. Chime makes it easier to keep building your credit with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. You can use Credit Builder everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. Chime helps you build your credit scores safely by using your own money to make everyday purchases and on-time payments. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a $200 qualifying direct deposit. And don't stress, there's no annual fee or credit check required to apply and get started. Start building your credit history and finding new opportunities with the secured Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. 
Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary.